First and foremost, this is, uh, as next Sunday is Memorial Day weekend, this is our last Sunday that we're gathering regularly. And then we're going to be entering into something that we call a Sabbath summer. Did I say that right? Sabbath summer? No, summer Sabbath. Got it. Summer <laughs> Sabbath. We've been talking about which, how do you say it? And Carrie had some really great instruction that I did not follow. Uh, so we're going to be uh, starting that next Sunday. So what that means is we won't be gathering for the next few weeks. And we're only going to be moving to a once a month gathering throughout the summer. Those dates are this. So it's our hope that you would do everything you can. Put it on your calendar, uh, and even if you need to rearrange stuff, we think these gatherings are going to be significant and important enough that you hopefully would be able to make them. We're going to be meeting in the morning and the evening, and as our hope is that you would take those Sundays that we are not gathering to get some rest, to go and do the things that you maybe want to go and do, and we're not necessarily a, you know, a guilt-driven community when it comes to you have to be here every Sunday, but just giving you the freedom to understand that life happens, summer happens, and so go and enjoy all of those things and hopefully you can uh, be a part of these gatherings. They're going to be great. Uh, And then we also want to let you know that on top of these monthly gatherings, we've got some different events that we've scheduled throughout the summer just to stay connected with one another and see how everybody's doing. These are totally, hey, if you want to come, if it sounds like something that's fun or interesting to you, we would love to see you there for that. The best way to stay connected with that, next slide, is for you to make sure that you uh, are a part of our email newsletter. Yeah, you can follow us on social media. We're posting all of that stuff there, but social media is so inundated with so much information that it's easy to miss. And so this is the best way to stay in the loop on what's happening. To make that happen, you can go to our website or there's a sign-up sheet on that back window bar that you're welcome to just give us your name and email address. We'll get you signed up for it. And then you'll, you'll understand and know what's happening, whether it's a movie in the park or a picnic, a camping trip that we're taking later in the summer that's just, hey, who wants to go camping? These are the dates. Anybody want to show up? You're welcome to come. We'll be there. Um, so those, those things are coming this summer uh, and we would love it to be there. All of these auxiliary events that we're doing are intended intentionally driven uh, for an all-ages kind of community and space. So if you have kids, bring the kids. If you don't have kids, it's still something that you want to enjoy. Maybe, I mean, Incredibles 2 is the movie in the park that we're doing. So, I I mean, I like Incredibles 2, so that's fine. So if you want to come, that'd be great to see you there. That's our first one coming in a couple weeks. So, all right, let's pray, and we'll go for it. God, this morning, uh, it's my hope that as we've all taken time out of our schedules and lives... Woke up, got dressed, got in the car, came here, that there would be a point uh, to it, and not a point necessarily that I think, as Matt Blakesley, but a point that we collectively or individually can experience and go, yep, this, this is something that's worthwhile. And that this would be our lives, this journey, uh, spirituality, that there would be something that we can take from here and interact with the world, people, and things around us in a more beautiful way forward together. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray and we say together. Amen. So this morning, as you may know, we are concluding or kind of wrapping up our series that we've been in for the last few weeks entitled Reconstruction. And uh, the, the idea behind this series, I think, as most of you know, is looking at and understanding a, a, a journey or a path that many of us have been on, many of us have experienced, and really is a healthy part of spirituality in many ways. And these are just kind of placeholder words for whatever words you would bring to it, but it, it revolves around these three phases or these three concepts that first and foremost, you can go to the next slide, you have this idea of construction. And construction is the space that most of us, all of us, are born into. In other words, we're handed a narrative. 
We're given, whether it's our parents, friends, family, people around us, a church, that they tell us, this is who God is. This is how the world works. This is who you are. These are the good people. These are the bad people. You need to live like this. You need to not live like that. It's a constructed narrative that we're handed, and we start to adopt and, you know, kind of emulate in a lot of ways as we grow up in the households and environments that we do. It's a good, positive thing. But at some point, for many people, you find yourself in this place of deconstruction. It's a state where you start asking questions about the narrative that you were handed. Okay, this is what I was told God is, or the Bible is, or this is what I told healthy spirituality looks like, but I'm starting to look at things, whether it's in me or externally seeing what's happening around the world, and I'm starting to wonder, I don't know that that's as good as everybody says it is. I don't know that that's as true or that's the right way to go about things like I was told. And we start to enter this place of being willing to deconstruct or pull apart this narrative, to ask questions, to enter a place of doubt, to be honest about like, yeah, I don't, I don't really think or believe like that anymore. Again, this is healthy and good. For many people, it might happen in college when you start you know, attending some different classes and experiencing some different information that you start to go through a little bit of deconstruction, asking questions. Again, good, healthy thing. And many of us in this room have experienced that deconstruction, particularly when it comes to the evangelical Christian narrative that many of us have grown up in and around, potentially. That we started looking at it going, man, I don't know that that's the thing that I want it to be for my life. And so we enter this place. But the whole point of this series is to understand and to realize that while deconstruction is a healthy part of our life, to ask these questions is a good thing, yes, that it is not meant to land or end there, that there really is a process to this and that it's to find ourselves in this state or this place of reconstruction. And where deconstruction is this place of, I'm, I'm willing to poke the box, I'm living in a state of doubt, I'm asking questions, I'm not really willing to put my foot down like I was over in this construction state to say, I know that I know that I know these things. We're like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. That reconstruction is this place of going like, ah, I still have some questions. I still don't have it all figured out. I'm definitely not going back to what I was, but there are some things that I'm willing to start to build again. And the house, the structure, whatever it is, isn't gonna look like it was before, but that we begin to realize there's something worth building. There's something worth moving forward towards here. And particularly when in this context of CMYK, we're talking about this idea within spirituality, that spirituality would invite us to say there's something worth building building. There's something worth engaging here, reconstruction. Last week, we looked at this text that's found in the Gospel of Mark, and it's really, historically speaking, the first recorded words that we have of the Christ narrative, of Jesus' first words that we have recorded historically. It's found around 60 AD, his first gospel written, and these are the first words that are written within that gospel. And as I said last week, this is kind of Jesus' thesis statement. This is a syllabus on the first day of class saying, this is what I'm going to be about. This is what all of this stuff within the gospel, the Christ narrative, this is what everything is about. His announcement to everybody about what this is. This is found in Mark chapter 1. It says, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, we talked about this last week, but there's a couple things that I think if we're really going to understand what Jesus is doing here and how Jesus is really inviting, I believe, reconstruction through a statement and a phrase like this, we got to pick it apart a little bit. Because there's some words that many of us have interacted with regularly and we're not quite sure how we feel about those words anymore. That many of us were fans of Justin Timberlake. And then Man in the Woods came out a couple years ago. And we're like, yeah, I don't know, man. That's just weird and awkward. Anybody else? Just me? Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. You and me, Carrie, man. Sabbath, summer. Summer, Sabbath. 
whatever it is, that we go through this process of saying, okay, I have interacted with this thing before, and I don't think I want to interact with it anymore. That's this word gospel for many of us. That many of us have heard this word, we've interacted with it, and we just go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay to never see or hear or speak that word again because it's just got a lot of baggage. And I want to say, I get it. I fully get it. But as we mentioned last week, there's this thing that we need to understand what this word gospel is. At its root, what this word means is good news. And so what Jesus is saying with this statement and announcement is he's saying there's some good news to proclaim. There's some good news to understand, to hear when it comes to the divine, when it comes to God, when it comes to the mystery around us, when it comes to this love, as you could say scripturally. There's good news to be found. This morning, I want to look at two things that Jesus says. He looks, he said, oh, you can go back, sorry, to that, to that verse. He says, if you're going to see what I'm about, this kingdom of God, he says, you need to do two things. You need to repent, and you need to believe in the gospel. Again, many of us hear those words, that statement and phrase, and we're like, yep, I'm out, done, tapping out. I'm just going to draw on this card now and try to pretend that I'm not hearing what you have to say because there's so much baggage for us. But this morning, I want to look at what is Jesus inviting us in reconstruction to understand when it, these concepts of repent and believe in the gospel. First and foremost, believe in the gospel. It's good news. The question this morning that I'm hoping that you can ask, and this is where the cards do come in, because I want to invite you to physically write out what you think it is. What is the good news about the divine? What is the gospel? Because what I know and what I've experienced is many times this word gospel is not just in and of itself good news, but it's a whole list of other things. Next slide. For many of us, we grew up in this concept that the gospel is a certain set of theology and that you've got to get everything right and you've got to say the right thing about Jesus and the right thing about the Bible and the right thing about you know, history, whatever it is. And to step outside of that is heresy. To step outside of that is no longer the gospel. And so for many of us, the gospel is just a theology that we're working to adopt or to continue to speak again and again and again. For some of us, the gospel was a belief system, that you need to believe these things. This is what it means, the gospel. So all of a sudden, you're raising your hand, and you're saying, I believe this. You have now heard the gospel because you believe something about God or Jesus or the church, whatever it is, that that's what the gospel is. It's a belief system. For some of us, the gospel is a feeling. It's an emotion. Maybe it was you know, a spiritual experience, a music experience, whatever it is, and you go, mm, that's, that's gospel right there, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be gospel music. You're just feeling it and sensing it. It's not JT, Man in the Woods, I'll tell you that right now. But you sense it, and so I don't know why I'm pooping on him this morning. Uh, you just sense it and feel it and go, yes, this is the gospel. This is good. For others of us, if we're honest, this word gospel, it's a tradition. It's thousands of years old. You don't mess with the gospel. Why? Because look at, look at how old it is. You don't mess with something that old. But here's my problem with all of that. None of those things are inherently good news. Here's what I know. Good news is something that all of us intuitively are bursting at the seams to talk about and share. If you've ever been uh, pregnant or been in a relationship where pregnancy is a part of it or you've ever been engaged or something truly good and beautiful happens, the most knee-jerk reaction 
is you want to share it. You want to talk about it. You want to make sure everybody knows, hey, did you see this? Did you hear this? This is happening. Can you believe it? Nobody has to say, hey, you should really be talking about it because we're just naturally talking about it. And usually the best news is the news that all of our friends get sick of hearing about it. Like, yeah, Matt, we get it. Life is good. We get it. This great thing happened. Okay, awesome. The reason I know that the gospel for many of us is not good news is because we potentially grew up in some kind of church Christian environment where we were told, you got to talk about this. You got to share it. But all of us sat in a pew or a chair, whatever it was, and went like, yeah, I don't want to. I I hope I don't have to. I hope religion doesn't come up because I don't really want to talk about it. What's behind that? It's not good news. Because good news is naturally shared. And so there's something else that we feel like this gospel is. I don't want to talk about this theology and try to make sure that I get everything right. I don't want to talk about this belief system. The question this morning is, what is the good news about the divine for you? This really is, for me, where my deconstruction started years ago. Because I was, many of you know, I was working at a church and leading large teams of people and doing a lot of stuff around this idea and concept of the gospel. And the last sermon I ever preached when I was on staff at this church before I quit was this exact question. And it it really messed with me. What is this thing that we're doing called the gospel? Because it doesn't feel like good news. And it set me on this deconstruction of actually asking the question, okay, is there good news about the divine? Is there something that I could write on a three-by-five card and say, this is good. And it's not good because someone else told me it was good. It's good because there's this intuitive like, yeah, I want to talk about this. Yeah, I want to, this feels good. This resonates. And so the question this morning is, what is it that resonates with you about the divine? Because most of us were given a gospel, or most of us were given, was given good news, and it was someone else, tell, someone else telling us, this is what you need to say. This is what you need to recite. These are the values that you need to hold up. But it never truly was our own to say, this is it. It was just us working to recite what we had been told in the past. I really believe that Reconstruction starts when you and I are willing to take a three-by-five card and write and say, there's something good here. Whatever that thing is, there's something good here. And so for some of us, some things that might be on that card, next slide, would be that God's not angry. And these are not meant to say, this is what should be on your card. We are, as we've said every week within the series, we're not here to tell you what to think. We're not here to tell you what should be on that card or what this good news is. But for me, reconstruction is a, a willingness to put your foot out there and say, there's something good here. Where I was tearing down all the bricks before, I'm willing to actually kind of start putting some bricks down on the ground and say, yeah, this is good. This is worthy of building upon. And so what is that? For some of us, it's God isn't an old man in the sky. That's good news. Because many of us grew up with God as an old man in the sky. We were really scared. He was watching us late at night. And we're like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to be in trouble. For many of us, the good news might be God sees you and embraces you. Not a future version of you. Not a you when you get your act together. But like just you right now in this moment. There's something divine about this universe that is embracing of who you are. This work of God. That that God, an angry, frustrated God that's really working to smite and judge 
I love you so much that I'm going to send you to hell for eternity, whatever that God is for you. To just enter the good news, potentially. Reconstruction starts going like, yeah, that God doesn't exist. <sighs> okay, I can do that. For some of us, it's, there's a core of who you are, and it's good. It's beautiful, which ties into the next one. For some of us, it's you are not just a messy pile of sin. Some of us grew up within a culture of singing songs every weekend about how wretched and awful and horrible I am. We called that worship <laughs> and good news. And there's this part of us, for some of us, that goes, okay, yeah, there's, there's pain and struggle and mess. That's not who I am. That's not what is seen or known. I can, I can put a brick down and say, I'm not just a pile of mess. And for some of us, it's just as simple, but I think as profound as the divine is here now. I don't, I don't know everything about it, but there's something here. And maybe for you, there's something completely different. But I think reconstruction starts when you and I are willing to say, okay, okay, there's good news. There's good news. And for some of us in this room, we look at that question, and the only honest answer we would have is, I got nothing. There's no good news about the divine. I don't even know if there is a divine. And this is where the Christian narrative really uh, comes alive for me. There's this moment that's found on the cross where Christ is hanging on the cross. And it says that God rejected Jesus. He turned his back on Christ. Well, in the Christian narrative, if Christ is the divine, God, and you have God turning his back on Christ, you have God turning his back on God in this moment. There's been a lot of theology and discussion around this concept of in this moment, it's as if God is becoming an atheist and God no longer believes in himself. This speaks volumes to me because there are moments that we all experience that kind of rejection of any kind of belief that we can have in a moment where it just feels like I got to turn my back on this and I don't know if there's anything good. It's at the core of the cross narrative, God turning his back on God. So yes, there are moments where we would ask this question, what is the good news? And you would have to be honest and say, I got nothing, if I'm being honest. And I believe that the Christian and Christ narrative is one that says, uh-huh, that happens. But as we've talked about within this series, and as the, Christ, as the cross narrative speaks to, it doesn't end there. That happens, yes, embrace it. But it doesn't end there. There is something new, a resurrection, a new life that is found out of that honesty and out of that willingness to go there, yes. And I believe that that resurrection is found when maybe you have experienced that cross moment and then you're willing to say, okay, as vague as this sounds, there's good news and it's this. First question this morning I'd ask, what's the good news? Not Matt Blakesley telling you what you should believe or think. When you look at your life and your experience, when you see the world around you and experience the beauty around you, what's the good news? And to start building something there. Secondly, when we look at this verse, we see that Jesus uses this phrase, next slide, of repent. Even more than the gospel, this word can, can uh, carry whole bunches of stuff for us, what it means to repent. 
some of us, it's feel really bad. It's crying. It's an emotional thing. For some of us, repent is this word that can only be spoken at 110 decibels because it's someone yelling it at you from a street corner. This is our interaction with this word. The word repent, particularly within Judaism, is simply a change of mind. It's a change of heart, a change of direction. And particularly within Judaism, it's a change that you are choosing to come back to God. And this is where repentance, this idea of of Jesus saying, if you want to be a part of this stuff that I'm a part of, if you want to be a part of this recreation, this reconstruction that I'm doing, that repentance is a part of that. For many of us, this is where we got to tap out because I don't want to go back to God because it's this idea that we have to go back to construction, back to where we were before. And I get that. I feel that. And so there's a part of me, even honestly, that wants to just avoid that concept and idea. What I find fascinating is the way that Jesus starts to talk about repentance later on within this text as he's starting to, again, this is just the thesis, as he starts to unpack it, and this is what I'm about and what I'm for, he has this illustration or this moment that takes place later on in Mark. It says, now John's disciples, this, this uh, you know, spiritual leader, John's disciples, his followers, and the Pharisees, who were kind of the, the pastors, priests, significant religious elders of the day, if you will, the priests were fasting. So you have these two groups of people that are fasting, this spiritual kind of discipline and work. It says, and people came and said to him, came, said to Jesus, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Now, hold there for a second. There's something really interesting that I love here, because what's happening is a whole group of people that's noticing and realizing there are these spiritual disciplines that we're seeing take place. And these spiritual disciplines, Disciplines are something that have been done for thousands of years. There's a tradition behind it. So you have John's disciples, and they're fasting. You have the Pharisees' disciples, and they're fasting. And you have this crowd of people, like we do within humanity, that goes, I don't want that discipline. I don't like that. And so how come they're doing it, and your disciples aren't doing it? Because is that an ouch? Do we no longer have to do this thing anymore? I mean, the example would be, you have John's disciples that are going to church every Sunday. You have the Pharisees' disciples. They're going to church every Sunday. And then a whole bunch of people going like, how come your disciples, Jesus, they don't go to church every Sunday? Does that mean we don't have to go to church every Sunday? Like, how many of us have been there before? And there's this excitement and energy potentially of like, oh, this thing no longer needs to be a thing because of what Jesus is doing? Because we think religious disciplines in particular, you just do them, you just do them, you just do them. But Jesus has this incredible response that I think is pointing towards repentance to this question. It says, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Jesus goes on and he gives this illustration. He says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst to the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Leave that up for a second, please. Jesus has this response to people looking at spiritual disciplines and saying, hey, They're not doing what everybody else is supposed to do. Does that mean we don't have to do those things anymore? And Jesus' response to them is, there's something new happening here. And in the midst of this newness, in the midst of the bridegroom being present, we're not going to engage with something old just because it's what we've always done. We're going to engage fully with this new thing that's present, that's here, that's in this moment. The bridegroom is here. So be fully present there in that moment. And don't just go through these rituals. If you've got to stop the ritual and engage fully in what's happening, yes, do that. 
But the fascinating thing that Jesus does here is he says, what, at the end of that, there will come a time when they fast. There will come a time, Jesus says, when they go back to the ritual, when they turn back to God. But what's so important is Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He brings this illustration of, he says, and in this return, in this ritual that's reengaged, it's not the same old thing. Because there's something new that happened. And so you can't take this new thing and put it on something old, a new piece of cloth on an old garment. And you can't take new wineskins or new wine and put it in old wineskins. Because wine, as it ferments, gets gassy and it expands. So if you put that in an old wineskin that's already stretched, it's just going to burst at the seams. And so you've got to find new wineskins for the new wine, Jesus says. What's he talking about? There's going to come a time when, yes, there's a return to ritual. But in that return to ritual, it's not returning to the same old thing. It's not returning to what was. This repentance, this idea of coming back to something or changing your mind is not just moving back into construction. It's choosing to say, okay, there's a ritual here, yes, but the ritual is new and it's fresh and it's different to represent this new wine, this new thing that's happening. I believe that rituals is what Jesus is talking about here. Rituals are containers of this thing called spirituality. That Jesus is inviting us to see there's these things like fasting in this example. There's things that we would go through on a rhythmic, repetitive basis that help us contain, hold on to, stay focused and centered around things that matter. Things that we want to stay centered and focused on. And what I know and what many of us have experienced is we grow up in construction where we do have these rituals. They get old, they get stagnant, and so that's part of the reason why we enter into deconstruction. We're starting to ask the question, does any of this really matter? Should I even bother? There's a lot of stuff that I could be doing with my time and energy. Why would I be engaging those kinds of things? And so we go through this place of seeing rituals leave our lives. It makes sense. There's something new happening here, Jesus says. The bridegroom is there. Okay, engage it fully. Yes. But what we can find happen with our lives, to take the wine example and illustration, is that we have this sacred newness that's taking place in our lives. And we never actually contain it. We never actually create something to help us stay centered and focused and reflective on those things. And it's just as if we're taking this newness and we're just letting it just pour out all over the floor. Many of us know what it's like to to leave a space of ritual where we went to church every week, we read our Bible every day, we prayed regularly, we did all these kinds of things, and we left that. And there's this freedom in that newness of like, woohoo! I mean, I, I don't have to do any of that stuff. And we even saw maybe some discipline in our life just kind of go away. Like, why, why would I bother making time for that? Why would I bother saying no to what I want to do in the moment for the sake of a ritual? It's part of deconstruction. There's something new, so we're saying no to the old thing. Okay, what Jesus is inviting here, this idea of repentance, I believe, is coming back to this ritual to say, okay, this new thing, I want to stay centered. I want to stay focused on it. I don't want to just let it spill out over my day. I don't want to live every single day and every single moment by the whim of whatever I feel like because many of us know where that ends. It's ice cream and Doritos at midnight just because we feel like it every day. 
It's choosing to not engage, to contain the sacredness of our breath and who we are, the relationships around us and something that helps us stay centered and focused on it. And it's just watching relationships that do matter continue to slip to the wayside more and more and more. So the question this morning is not just what is the good news, but the question I would ask is reconstruction starts when you and I are willing to bring in ritual back to our life. So the question is, what is that ritual? Because I firmly and fully believe there is something sacred about your life. There's something sacred about the relationships around you. And many of us have lived seasons and times where we just let it spill out every day. We're just pouring it on the ground. There's no potency to it. There's no focus. There's no container for it. It's just, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. And that rituals are this thing that contain it and help us realize, oh, this matters. What are the rituals? Reconstruction is stepping into a place where you can say, here are some rituals I'm engaging. Some of those ideas might be things like this. Reading. I think a ritual of reading is whatever it is. For some of us, it's scripture. I went through a season where, you know, scripture reading wasn't really a part of my life, honestly, in my deconstruction. But that we find something ritualistic around like, yeah, I'm going I'm to pick this up. Maybe it's a book that is more devotional on some levels. It doesn't mean it's a devotional. It just means it's something that causes us to reflect on the sacredness in and around us. And we have this ritual of, yes, this matters. It's a container for these kinds of things. For some of us, it's journaling, choosing to just write out process. For some of us, it is fasting. Yes, it's this religious thing, but again, it's a new thing, new wine, new wineskin. So we're not engaging it like we did before, but fasting can be an incredible ritual. For some of us, it's prayer. Exercise can be an incredible ritual. Just going for walks can be a great ritual. Gatherings like this or anywhere else with any other intentional group of people is a ritualistic thing that we say, no, this matters and it helps me contain what's sacred. Smaller gatherings. It's hard to think of getting much smaller than this place sometimes, but you can, and so you get to this place. That might be a one-on-one, just a ritualistic, hey, we're going to connect and make sure we're containing what's sacred. For some of us, it's art and creating. It's a ritual around it. For some of us, it's meditation or anything else that you would want to put in that list. I believe that rituals matter, and reconstruction is stepping out into some kind of ritual, whatever it may be. It's not going back to what was. It's a new wineskin for your new wine and life. So if you're going to engage in these rituals, just a couple things that I would invite you to think about. Next slide. First and foremost, understand that rhythm matters. A ritual is a rhythmic thing. Again, many of us understand that, uh, you know, to live by a whim means that we kind of do it every once in a while, whenever we want and whenever we feel like it. There's a time, yeah, there's a time for that in deconstruction, but reconstruction is stepping into some kind of ritual to say, okay, this matters, and so there's some rhythm. It's daily, every other day. It's weekly. It's every other week. It's monthly. Whatever it is, there's some kind of rhythm. This is what the church calendar is for many of us. You have this rhythm of an annual rhythm of it's Christmas, and so we take time to contain this story and this narrative and think and reflect and process it together. It's a rhythm around it. It's a ritual, yes, and we don't do it like we used to do it, yes, but we're interpreting new wine uh, new wineskins for new wine. So there's a rhythm to it. What kind of rhythm would you have to a ritual, to any of these kinds of things or anything that you would add? Secondly, I would say rituals, uh, next slide, is understanding that time matters. 
So exercise is the easiest thing to talk about when it comes to this. To see a ritual actual, actually you know, matter and be significant, you got to have time as an element in that equation. You can exercise, and you can have a good rhythm for like a week and feel great, but you're not going to actually see the results. You're not going to feel the results or sense the results in your external life on any level if it's just for a week or even just a month. The time element that you add to that ritual is what makes the ritual actually matter more and more. And so you bring some time to it. I'm going to give a month. I'm going to give six months. I'm going to give a year to this ritual. And you choose to commit to that, whatever it is, whatever the ritual is. And again, this is not about trying to make sure that everybody's here on Sundays. This is a ritual, yes. And we would love for this to be a part of your ritual, yes. But it doesn't have to be. This is inviting you into reconstruction. And whatever that looks like for you, that you would understand, I believe that rituals are a part of reconstruction, whatever that is. Because last but not least, I would say, next slide, that there's always fresh wineskins. So this understanding of Jesus is you step into a new ritual, you, you get some time involved with it, and you might go, yeah, that's not for me. Okay. You know? And then you go, okay, well, I'm going to go find a new wineskin. I'm going to go find a new ritual. I'm not just going to let this continue to spill out over my day because this life, breath, sacredness matters. And so I want to continue to find things that are going to help me stay centered and focused, processing those kinds of things. It's my hope that this community, that this church is seen as a space, and I believe it is, not because of me, but because of all of you here in this room today. That wherever you are on this journey, if you're in a space of construction and the narrative that you are handed is resonating and there's good news there, welcome. Your story matters and your story is significant and important to remind us of things, to help us process things well. That we work to see you and embrace you where you are. It's my hope and my belief that CMYK is a space where those that have entered deconstruction and it feels like God has turned his face on God and there can be no belief in anything in this moment. Why bother? You're just tearing everything down. You're questioning. You're doubting. You can't put any bricks into the ground anymore. Welcome. Your story matters. It's significant. It's so important that you go through that process and you go through it honestly. That you never find yourself in a place of just saying what you know or expected to say in that moment, but that you can be fully honest with where you are and with what's going on. And that this would be a space in a church where you are seen and embraced. Not seen and pushed back to something, or not even seen and pushed forward to something, but seen and embraced. But I believe that there is something so good about this life, about who you are, about your story, about your value and your significance, that you do not get caught there. And it's not because of anything that Matt Blakesley would push you to or a community of people would shove you to, but because there would be this thing in you that you begin to resonate that there is something good here. And however long that process is for you, however long that process is for you, that CMYK would be a space that you find naturally, you come to this time of there's good news here, and there's some rituals I can reintroduce because i got to contain this sacredness in something. And I don't want to just spill it out over every single day. I want to be able to focus on it, celebrate it, and see the potency and beauty of it. 
And that CMYK would be a space that celebrates that as well. Whatever your reconstruction, whatever your good news is, that it would be yours and that you would be able to naturally want to talk about it and celebrate it. This morning we come to this table, and I believe the reason we we gather around this table and the reason we take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup every single week is not just because of tradition that it's been done for 2,000 years ago, but it's a ritual that I think speaks to all of those things. There's a narrative-handed tradition. It's communion. There's a deconstruction, Christ having his back turned on by God. And there's a reconstruction, there's resurrection and new life found here. And that wherever you are, that this is a table that we all come to, take a piece of bread, eat of the same bread, drink of the same cup, and we're all in this together. Because there's something sacred about this life and your world and your kids and your relationships and the work and art and creativity that you're doing. So don't let it just spill out over your day. But find something, someone, somewhere that you can find new wineskins for this new life. And for us, part of that is this communion. So we're going to play a song and invite anyone and everyone to come and partake. And we're going to throw those two questions up on the screen that I've been asking this morning and maybe take a minute and write some things down on the card if you want to. If you're in that place that you got some bricks you want to lay, however vague, however tiny (laughs) they are, that you would just lay them and say, yeah or wherever you are in your journey, that you are welcome here. And then we'll close our time together. Thanks. I love that um, we're talking about rituals. And for me, uh, how much this ritual on Sunday morning and evening, it's mattered so much for me. As many of you know, I've been through this process of like, yeah, I don't know if church should be a thing anymore. Um, Meanwhile, I was leading a church. And... um, but for me, it's that rhythm and that time element that I'm so grateful that I get to know all of you in this room. I'm so grateful that I know and get to hear more and more of your stories, and they impact and influence me and my family, the way I'm raising my kids, the kids that my kids get to be around, conversations that I get to have. Um, so I, I love that we're talking about that this morning. And then we're not gathering for the next three weeks. It's just really uh, beautiful, I think. <laughs> because it's my hope that, yeah, this, I really do hope that this Sunday morning thing would be a ritual. And it is for many of you. I really hope it would be. But it's not about this. It's about finding that new wineskin, whatever it is. And so I love that we're not gathering for the next three weeks. Because that you would take whatever you need to take. Whatever ritual you need to bring if you're in that place of reconstruction that you would find whatever that is and move forward with it. That's where this kind of thing actually matters, not just because we got together this morning. It's my hope that you leave this place and you understand there is something new, beautiful, and sacred about your life and your story. And when you leave this place and you go to work tomorrow and you start asking questions of does this matter, why bother? When you have a fight with your significant other and you're like, does this matter, why bother? When you have those things that you feel like you just keep doing and doing and doing, and you're like, does this matter? Why bother? That you know that you're not alone in those questions, but you also know that there's something new that's worthwhile and that we can look each other in the eye this morning and over this entire summer 
collectively and continue to say, no, it matters. It matters, it matters, it matters. So whatever you need, it's our hope that we can be a part of that journey for you, wherever you are. And so at, over the next couple of weeks, if there is something that comes up, reach out to us through email, uh, through social media, reach out, just get a hold of us. We, we tried to make it pretty plain and clear how you can get a hold of us. Um, but we would, we're, we're still a part of this journey with you, even though we're not gathering for the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and you guys do great at just connecting with each other as well. So as always, as you leave, uh, we've got giving boxes in the back that we'd love it if you wanted to be a part of this community on a financial level. And as always, we do have online giving. And I just want to bring it up that we're able to continue to sustain what we're doing, even through the summer, by not gathering every single week because of so many of you that give regularly, uh, however small, online. So thank you for that and helping this community continue to be a thing in our city. So love you guys. I hope you guys have a great couple weeks and we'll see you in June for sure, I hope. So thanks guys.